It's a delight to come on Mother's Day and celebrate together and focus on God. Today it's Mother's Day and all this week I kept asking myself two questions. Number one was, what is the hallmark of a great mother? And then secondly, what's the greatest gift you could give your mother on Mother's Day? And the answer I keep coming up with is actually kindness. Kindness. Kindness is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Excuse me, the fifth. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's the hallmark of a great mother is kindness. And it's the greatest thing you could do for her. Colossians 3, verse 12, on your outline and on the screen. Notice what it says. It says, because of God's deep love and concern for you, that you should practice. That's something you do repetitively. Tender-hearted mercy and kindness to others. Kindness. Kindness, friends, is love in action. That's what kindness is. Love in action. It is something that you do. Circle the word practice. Practice. And all of us need to practice. Practice love and action. It's practical help. My mum, and many of you know her, was one of the kindest people I have ever met. She was always helping somebody, even when, even when, she had three stroppy boys, very little to live on, a husband that was divorcing her who was an alcoholic. She had a heart for people who were hurting. And I remember when we were struggling to get by, and I mean struggling, let me just define that, my mum could not afford a lipstick. Not one. So that's what we would buy her for her birthday. That was my mum. She earned $35 a week, I remember. In the middle of that, with poor health, scratching, I could hear it all night because of eczema, blood on the sheets, I used to wash the sheets. She found it in her heart to find other women who'd been abandoned by their husbands, sometimes with three other girls living in my house or our house on stop of three boys, where we all fit, we slept in the lounge, we slept anywhere. In fact, one time, the Wests, as many of you know, the Wests, some friends of ours, they came from England, they froze to death in Ashburton, they came from England to New Zealand, and they thought it would be warmer in New Zealand, they felt it was like the Antarctic in Ashburton, we're going to go back to England for better weather. Nevertheless, they came up to Auckland, that was four boys, and mum and dad, nowhere to stay. For three months, they lived with us. My mum was very kind, even in the middle of all of her pain and drama. She was always helping somebody. But kindness is not just for mothers. The Bible says the kind man benefits himself. There's a result of that. Now, there are five words. New Hope is about applying the Word of God, the Bible. The Bible teaches us how to order our lives. So when you come 
to the Word of God, you all should be asking myself, how can I apply this message today? Well, there are five words which will help you become a kinder person. These are the elements of kindness. I'm going to touch them and then drill a little deeper. Number one, when you are kind, you are sensitive. So we're going to be talking about being sensitive. We're going to talk about being supportive. We're going to talk about being sympathetic. Don't try and get them all now. <laughs> and being straightforward and spontaneous. Number one. Kindness and how you become kind is you need to be sensitive. Sensitive. Tune in to those around you. If you care, you will be aware to the needs around you. The Bible teaches us each of you should look out not only for your own interests. Yes, you do need to take care of business. But at the same time, but also for the interests of others. Are you looking out for not just your own interests? Here's a good question. Practical stop. Warrant of fitness. Is there anybody else you're looking after their interests apart from your own family right now? Be aware. If you care, you'll be aware. Two things about this point. Here it is. Number one, everybody's having a tough time somewhere. Somewhere. Everyone's having a tough time. It's just in different areas. Number two, the number one thing that keeps us from being kind is busyness. There it is. When I get too busy, I don't have time to be kind. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to be the least kind to your children, to my wife, to other people. When I have my goal, my agenda, my pursuits, my desires, I've got to do what I've got to do, and basically I don't have time to be kind. So kindness starts with a way of looking, being aware of those around you, and being sensitive to those around you. If you care, you'll be aware. Number two, the second way you can be kind is by being supportive. Being supportive. Now, I want to just nuance that a little. It's supportive in speech, the way that you talk to people. Are you building them up or are you dragging them down? Are you criticizing or you're bragging on them or you're dragging them down? Up or down? You can be supportive in speech. Look at this, this next verse. Kind words bring life. There's a great verse. I love this one. Actually, I should finish this one before I bring the next one out. Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush the spirit. So what that means is that if you're speaking kind words... Well, first of all, the world out there is pretty critical. So people tend to close up emotionally. Kind words will open up like sun to a flower. Harsh words, whoops, will crush it again. And they'll close the heart. They'll close the heart of your husband. They'll close your heart of your wife if you're critical and negative and cruel. But kind words thaws them out and opens them back up. Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush the spirit. You want to warm up your marriage? If you do, apply that verse. Doesn't matter what age you are. Recall school. 
the playground. The playground is a ruthless place. Kids will exploit every weakness, every foible, every fickle, every bit of fickleness. They'll go for the jugular. You know, and you get hurt at school on the playground, and you go home and you tell your mum. And your mum would say, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will. By the way, that is not true. I'll tell you why. If I break my arm, whatever I'm doing, conquering, boxing, whatever I'm doing, if I break my arm, how long does it take to fix? Oh, so you all know that. It's done. I'm back on with business. But if my heart is crushed, that can go on for years. A broken bone heals faster than a broken spirit. That's my point. The Bible says kind words. So here's an audit. If we, David's real smart. He says, Lord, put a sentry. A sentry is somebody that stands at the side of the door and guards what's going in and out. And he checks. He says, Lord, put a sentry by the side of my mouth. So that what comes out, whoa, is inspected before it goes out. It's checked. Your words have great power to heal or great power to hurt. The choice is yours. Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush the spirit. So knowing that's true, the opposite of kind is cruel. So how much do you support people around you with your words because people take so many brick bats even at work very few people encourage their colleagues that was a great job Oliver and they'll tell you that very few people do that because they're so wrapped up so here's a question for you are you an encourager or are you a discourager Barnabas was known to be an encourager. Do you lift up people or do you pull them down? Put them down, put them down. Not good enough. Never good enough to please your standard. Trouble is you're comparing it to your standard. Do you give... This is a hard one. I know because my wife and I have had four children. <laughs> then we've got grandchildren. And You parents, mums and dads, you both understand this. It is so much easier to give your children pokes, oi, oi, than strokes. <laughs> so much easier. We're always correcting them, right? And you should do that. You do not get into the stuff where, oh, I don't, tell my, I don't correct my kids. That's ridiculous. You ruin your children if you do that. Realize my kids as well are not perfect and they do some dumb things sometimes. So you have to correct them, but... What the Bible would say is balance it out with some encouraging words. So you build them up on the try, and sometimes you have to work hard at catching them, do stuff that's good. <laughs> but when they do, don't forget to encourage them and bless them. They're listening for that. Let's pop back this one, uh, pop this back a bit. Imagine for a moment that God was going to give you. For the last 365 days, one dollar for every kind word that you said. And then he was going to take a dollar away for every critical or unnecessarily negative word that you spoke this last year. 
Ooh, it's getting pretty hot in here. <laughs> would you now be richer or would you be poorer? Some of you might be in the hole. <laughs> Upside down. Number three. If you want to practice being kind, which is what this is about, and this can be very difficult for people who are driven, who are A-type personalities. In my family, we seem to have a lot of them. And they all have opinions at the top of their lungs. But it's being sympathetic. Kind people share in the emotions of others, not get over it. So where do you see that in the scripture, Ian? Here it is. Romans 12, 15 says, When others are happy, be happy. Join with them. Hook your caboose and cheer them on. When they're sad, share their sorrows. You don't roll on there and say, Hey, I see you're feeling sad. Cheer up. Buck up, you Wally. What's wrong with you? That is not what we're saying here. <laughs> and when they're really happy, you don't come in with a face like thunder and drag the whole atmosphere down. <laughs> that's exactly what that's saying. See, kind people are not so wrapped up in their own world that they're unaware of what people around them are going through. Now let's think about that right tomorrow morning when you get to work. Kind people are sensitive and supportive with their emotions. Pop quiz. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Ah, Jesus wept. Jesus was a man's man. He was no sissy pants. And he expressed his emotion there in that verse right there. Jesus wept with those who were weeping. You may recall the situation. Lazarus and Martha and Mary. That was the context. He was a man's man, yet he expressed his emotion. Somehow the word Hollywood has put that wrong. Perhaps you may feel awkward when you go to a funeral. And you go, I don't know what to say. Friend, you don't have to say anything. Just being there is kind. The best thing you can do when somebody's grieving is to grieve with them. Weep with those who weep. Don't blow them off. Don't say, oh, well, that person's in heaven and rejoicing. Hey, I get that, but right now... That may very well be true, but they are not there yet in terms of the person's emotions. They're feeling pain. Weep with those who weep. That's what it means to be kind. Rejoice with those who rejoice. By the way, when it comes to teenagers, let's drill on that one. When one of your teacher, um, teenagers' hearts hurts, empathy counts. Because in teenage years, everything is a big deal. <laughs> Everything's a big deal. They get a pimple, and it is a national crisis. And they come to you, like some of my children have, and say, Dad, can you put some cream on my back? You do not say, oh yeah, that's no big deal. By the way, it's not, but it is to them. <laughs> and it was to you. You just forgot about how big a deal it was when you were a teenager. And when somebody looked at you the wrong way, how much it upset you. If your teenager comes home and they're being dumped by their boyfriend... 
and girlfriend. And if you go say, oh, you'll get over it, well, that's probably true, they will. And if you say, well, your world hasn't ended, well, it hasn't, but they think it has. And you did too when you were a teenager. Friends, parents that have the best enduring relationships with their teenagers are those that treat as important the things that their teenagers consider important. You don't downplay it. Oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's just a stage. You'll grow out of it. You'll be sensitive. You'll be supportive. And you'll be sympathetic. The fourth way you can be kind is by being straightforward. This is a toughie, and this is, this is a good balance, though. Straightforward. What does that mean? Sometimes kindness, the most kind thing you can do, is be candid and frank. In other words, level with people. Tell them as it is. Tell them when they are blowing it and where they're making a mistake. This is the balance. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, and many other places. I've just chosen a couple of verses here. Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. If your son or daughter is doing something which needs correcting, be candid. Tell them. I've always told my kids, you guys, you know, I, you guys know I love you, so it's better that you hear this from me than somebody else. Because my kids have had opportunities where other people are not quite so gentle. And they don't know, and they feel defensive, and they won't receive it. So it is better to hear from you. Ever seen the bumper sticker? Real friends don't let friends drive drunk. Psalm 141 verse 5, a good man may rebuke me in kindness. Sometimes the smartest and the kindest thing you can do is to correct people. It's true, a genuine friend will say, you're blowing it and I'm not about to let you do this. You are about to make the biggest mistake in my life. A real friend doesn't say it's none of my business. If you're a friend, it is your business. It is your business to say something. And sometimes the kindest thing you can do is be straightforward with a person and tell them exactly what they're doing wrong. Now, let's think about this. When you go to a doctor... Do you want them to tell you all the good things that you find, or do you want them to be straightforward and tell you the facts? You want the facts. So again, the kindest thing you can do is tell them the truth. It's far less kind to overlook the obvious issue that you know is destroying somebody or is about to destroy somebody. Speak up. A few years ago, a guy that I have a whole lot of respect for, a guy by the name of James Dobson, wrote a book. And it's a really good book called Love Must Be Tough. Got great insight for children, parenting, teenagers, even in marriage. It's got an application. So sometimes you have to say, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I am not going to sit in silence and watch you destroy our marriage. Watch our marriage go south. I am going to fight for this marriage. Sometimes it's right to fight. When you care, sometimes you need to confront. And you say, you can't do this. You're not going to get away with this anymore. For the sake, I care too much about you. I care too much about our marriage. I care too much about our children. 
That's what I'm talking about. Kindness has often to be straightforward. A good man may rebuke me in kindness. Psalm 141 verse 5. So care enough to confront that child, that mate, that friend, that employee. Because if you don't confront them, you're going to have to fire them. Don't let them die on their own out there. Speak up. So, if you're going to be a kind person, firstly, you need to be sensitive. You need to be supportive. Third, you need to be sympathetic. Fourth, you need to be straightforward. And fifth and finally, you need to be spontaneous. You don't, you need to be spontaneous. You don't wait to do a kind act. Oh, well, I want to get round to it. You do it now. Galatians 6.10 says this, As we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, especially them. Circle the word as we have opportunity, the opportunity. When should I be kind? Whenever you see a need. Have you ever had someone do something for you that was really nice and you thought, you know what, I probably need to write a letter? Or just a little email or a text or, or, or call them up or visit them. But you put it off. And finally, it's been so long since they did it, you're now embarrassed to write it, so you oh, forget it. <laughs> this is one that happens in my neighborhood quite often. Or when a neighbor moves into the neighborhood and they come and you think, oh, I'll catch up with that person. <laughs> Next minute, years have gone by and it's oh my gosh. So we had one arrive. They, in fact, they haven't arrived yet, they just bought the house. And uh, I went and visited them yesterday. I thought, I am never going to let that ever happen again because the last time the guy was in there for three months, I didn't know he moved in. Opportunities to show kindness don't last. So seize the moment. Do it now. They pass quickly. What I'm saying is this. Let me, let, let me talk to husbands. Husbands, a single rose given to your wives now is worth more than an elaborate bouquet at the funeral. It doesn't make much sense at all in. What I'm saying again is give people roses while they can smell them. <laughs> Can't smell them when they did. Here's a great phrase. I shared it with a few people this week. Do your giving while you're living. Then you're knowing where it's going. Let me say that one more time. Do your giving while you're living. Then you're knowing where it's going. A lot of people say, well, when I die, I'm going to leave my fortunes to charity, to the church, the Lord's work, whatever it is. That's fine. But really? Do your giving while you're living. Then you get more credit for it. You get more joy out of it, and you see the result of it. When you have the opportunity, be spontaneous in expressing kindness. When it comes to kindness, good intentions do not count. Because I found good intentions are often not good enough, because it just don't happen, right? So we need to do it. You know, I've been meaning to do it. Well, when are you going to do it, is my question. Well, I'm aiming. Okay, you're aiming. It's like me at the range. I'm sitting in the arrows going, ready, aim, fire. I said, I'm aiming, I'm aiming. He said, well, when are you going to pull the trigger, mate? We're all waiting. 
Fire, do it now. If today you walk out of the service and you have the slightest inclination to reach out and touch somebody and to bless them, maybe call your mother. Do it. Be spontaneous. As a wrap up with a biblical illustration, the Good Samaritan is a person who took the opportunity. He saw the need. The man had been, he saw on the side of the road, had been beaten, he'd been robbed. He lay along the side of the road. And two religious leaders passed him by. And they did nothing. Zero. Jesus makes sure we understand it was the religious people that walked past. However, the enemy of the guy who'd been beaten up walks by. He sees the need and he immediately stops. He was on a journey too. But he stops. He meets the need. He was spontaneous. This wasn't, oh, I'm sorry, this doesn't fit to my plan, mate. I'm going to be at an appointment in half an hour. He picks the guy up, bandages him up, sticks him on his donkey. That was the modern-day Uber. <laughs> Jogs along there, and he drops him off at the closest Ibis Hotel. Hands the guy, says, I'll be back in a while. I'll pay for that, and if there's anything left at the end, I'll pick up the tab. Contrast that approach, the spontaneity, to the two religious jokers who saw the guy in pain and they probably wondered, this is my sanctified imagination going, hmm, if I help this guy, I wonder if it's tax deductible. If I help, you know, I'd like to help this guy if I had the time, but man, I've got so many things to do. I've got targets to get and things to do. You know, and I'm still not sure I can figure out how to deduct it on my income tax. Now, you contrast the spontaneity of the Good Samaritan with the gold-calculating attitude of the priests who thought, well, I did my duty at the temple. I'm done. I'm done. And I'm on my way home. And by the way, I've got priorities. You know, I've got family priorities. Friends, sometimes people can use family as cover. I can't minister, I can't volunteer because I've got family duties. Well, sure you do, but you need to do both. Others will think, well, hang on, it's not my fault the guy got hurt. He should never have been there. That was a really dumb place to be. No, it's not your fault that he got hurt. Some are thinking, well, I might get robbed and get myself there. I might get hurt if I stop and help. You might. Do you know what? You might get hurt if you stop and help the guy. There could be some up there. It's up to you to think, look, to make sure you don't get mugged as well. But here's my point. Do not forget this. In a sentence, kindness costs. I want to say that again. Because that may be a shock. <laughs> kindness costs. Always. The good Samaritan paid the bill. That's the whole idea. And by the way, remember, this is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness costs. To emphasize, I believe the number one enemy of kindness is busyness. So those of you saying, hi, how, how was your week? And you answer the word busy. Something should be going off in your head about right now saying, maybe I just need to take off some of the things off my list if I'm intentional about being kind. 
We get so busy, we don't have time for anything else apart from our own personal agendas. I hear people all the time say, oh, I'm too busy to serve. I am too busy to have a ministry. If that's the case, according to God's word, you're out of balance. Life involves blessing yourself and blessing others. If you're just too busy to be kind, you're too busy. So, who can you be kind to this week? Tomorrow morning, as you step across that threshold, Desmond in that cafe that you run with your staff, there'll be people all around you that are discouraged because of something that's happened in the weekend or that's going on in life. Ask God to open your eyes. A bit closer to home. Is it possible that this week you could possibly be a little kinder to your wife? To your husband? Your children? Do an act of kindness. Spend some time with them. How many divorces would have been prevented by kindness? A lot of them could have been, in my view. It's just common courtesy to be kind to people. How about work? What about that new worker that's just arrived and is absolutely bamboozled and lost in the mix? Maybe you could show him kindness by helping him through this next week a little, or university, wherever it may be. Or the guy who's unkind to you. Be kind back to him. Jesus says it's easy to be kind to those who are kind to you. It's the guy at work who's the jerk. The jerk at work. He's the guy you've got to be kind to. That's the difference. That's the difference. Anybody can be kind to people. Even thieves do that. Jesus talks about that. But who's the jerk at work? How about the school? Do you think it's possible to spend a little time with the outcast, the nerd, that nobody else likes to be around? Are you prepared to put your reputation aside a moment to be with them at school? Is it possible that in the name of Jesus Christ, you could be kind to that person this week? How about at church? Do you speak to people that you don't know? Or are you predominantly wrapped up with your own family? Do you see somebody who's obviously new? Do you talk to them or do you don't? Do you give them a handshake or a hug or a word of encouragement? We often do surveys of people who come to our church. They're anonymous. And 95% of the time, the one comment people make about our church is it's very friendly. And it's what they like best about our church. You know, some people have said, quote, I'm just reading one of them here. I didn't get into the service without having my hands shaken. I left comfortable. I felt it was like a family. So you guys are doing a great job in friendliness. What about that friend that you know who does not know Jesus Christ? The kindest thing you could do with that somebody is to share the Lord with them and tell them that God loves them. Do you realize that you are the only Bible that some people will read? You're the living Bible. So why am I talking about this? The Christian life is a life of kindness. So when somebody says, what does a Christian life look like? What should a person who is more mature look like? Some people think about remembering this Bible verse and that and the other and the other. Let me me clarify this. Jesus says you know a tree by its fruit. Many of the fruit are coming out, like the grapefruit right now. I can go look at that. looks very similar to an orange tree or sort of similar to a lime tree, although it's smaller. But the way I look is I check it out and I grab all of that fruit and have a look. So what is a Christian A mature Christian look like increasing amounts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Huh? 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there are no law. That's what it looks like. The Bible tells us in Titus 3, 4, Jesus Christ is the kindness of God. I love that verse. The kindness of God. Jesus is the kindness of God incarnate in flesh and person in the body. And if you're ever going to be like Jesus Christ, you've got to learn to be kind. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.24, I'm paraphrasing here, husbands, kindness is the mark of spiritual leadership. It's not under the thumb. That is absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. You want to be great in my kingdom? The Lord says you need to be a servant. Doesn't matter how many Bible verses you know, if you're not being kind to your wife or your kids, you are missing the boat. So when was the last time, real practical, that you washed the dishes? Do you know that the Bible talks about a man washing dishes and drying them and turning them over? I'm telling you. Those of you who want that verse, write me on the communication card. I'll provide it on your email. But put sure you got your email on there. So the mark of leadership is kindness. To be a Christian, I need to be a kind person. So here's a couple of challenges before I pray. This week, if you want to do this seriously, here's your project. Here's your homework. Choose five random acts of kindness for somebody. Don't tell people who did it. Don't even hint. Honey, did you notice the flowers? (laughs) Oh, did you notice your car got washed? Did you notice that when you're out for shopping for three hours... The baby's nappy actually got changed. (laughs) Do five acts of kindness. But don't tell anybody about it. Get your joy from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Mother's Day and for mothers. And the fact that none of us would be here if you hadn't given us mothers and fathers. And Lord, we know that our mothers... Though we love them deeply, weren't perfect, but they did the best they could. And we thank you that you used each of them to bring us into the world. Thank you for their kindness. We ask you, regardless, for us to be kind to them and to others. And today, Lord, we want to be families who are going to raise our families in your ways, to be kind and considerate to one another. Thank you, Father, for women and men who are training their children to be kind in their homes and living lives that are worthy of emulation. We pray your blessing of peace and an enduring sense of your presence in their homes as they serve you. Lord, I pray that each of us will be like Jesus, that we will be kind this week and that we'll be living testimonies in our home and living Bibles at work. Help us to be like your son, Jesus. We pray this in his powerful and matchless name. And everybody said, Amen.